Psalm 23 is Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, as we look at Psalm 23, verse 4, the verse begins talking about walking through the valley of the shadow of death, or uh, some translations may say the valley of deep darkness, or the darkest valleys. And it's unfortunate that life contains dark valleys. It's unfortunate that life contains those times where we feel as if the weight of the world is upon us, in which it feels as if maybe everyone is out to get us. And you look at some of the well-known characters in the Bible, and all of them have faced dark valleys, whether they're recorded in Scripture or not. Uh, You think of Job. I mean, did anybody have a dark valley like Job had a dark valley, right? Where you could almost quite literally say God was out to get him in a sense, right? Because it was God who allowed Satan to afflict him, to remove everything from him. And Job cries out to the Lord and curses the day of his birth because he is in a dark valley. You think of the patriarch Joseph, the son of Jacob, the beloved son of Jacob. And Joseph, who was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, and, and spent uh, the, the, the best part of his life, if you will, the fruit of his youth in slavery in Egypt, both, first in Potiphar's house, and then uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in a prison, and then finally, uh, by the Lord's grace, uh, elevated to the second in command. But it's interesting, because at the end of... The, the book of Genesis, when his brothers know who Joseph is and, and Jacob, the father, dies, Joseph turns to his brothers and says, look, you meant it for evil, but God meant it through for good, for the salvation of many. Uh, and you think, again, Joseph went through a dark valley. He was literally in a dark pit for a number of, uh, uh, time, for an amount of time and spent time in a jail. He went through a dark valley. The darkest valley, of course, was traversed by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who went through the dark valley of the shadow of death, death on a cross. So we've got these dark valleys, these moments in our lives in which we experience the weight of oppression, the weight of pain and suffering. Life is filled with suffering. And as we head here to this verse here, verse 4, I want to notice, too, there's a couple of shifts here. First, while you can say the shepherd motif runs throughout the entire psalm, um, what you see in verse 4 is a slight, subtle change from a shepherd 
to a companion, right? We saw that the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. He leads me to the green pastures, the still waters, and so on. But here we see the Lord is with us. So we see a shift from a shepherd to a companion here. But also notice in verses 1 through 3, which we looked at last week, uh, David, the psalmist, speaks of the Lord in the third person. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me. He leads me. He restores. He leads. He, he, he. It's third person. So he's speaking to whomever is listening. He's talking about the Lord. He was my shepherd. He led me in the paths of righteousness. He led me to the still waters. He led me to the green pastures. Now the shift in verse 4 from he to you. It's not, yes, I went through the valley of the shadow of death and he, my great shepherd, was with me. No, it's now you are with me. You are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. And then it goes on in verses 5 and 6. You prepare a table. You anoint my head. So the shift from third person to second person, it's now he is talking to the Lord himself. You are with me. You are with me. And that's what we're going to see here. Whereas last week, the theme, the overarching theme was provision. The Lord is our shepherd. He provides for us. Now we're going to see here, the Lord is our companion. He protects us. He guides us through all of the dark valleys of life. We're going to see this as well in three parts. We're going to see first the valley. That's the first part of verse 4. And we're going to see the companion. That's the second part of verse 4. And then we're going to see what the companion has with him, his rod and his staff. That's the third part of verse 4. So the valley, the companion, and the rod and staff. So again, uh, Psalm 23.4 marks uh, the second movement in this 23rd Psalm. And as I said, the metaphor shifts ever so slightly from the Lord as shepherd to the Lord as companion. We see that the shift is also in the imagery from green pastures. If you look at verses 1 through 3, you know, it's beautiful, it's, it's, it's full, it's vibrant. Green pastures, still waters, right paths. And now we come into valleys of deep darkness, valleys of the shadow of death. When you consider the imagery of death or deep darkness, that word there, it means death's shadow or the deep shadow or the deep darkness. When you see this imagery, you get the fearful, you get the unknown, right? What, 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 you know, we're often scared of the dark, right? You know, if you're a child, I mean, I, I know as a child, I was frightened of the dark. You know, I think all of us may at some point in time fear the dark. If, if no, for no other reason you fear the dark because of what's not there, you don't know, right? You, if you've woke, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night in a strange place and you're fumbling around in the dark and you stumble into something. But oftentimes, you know, we fear the dread of, of the dark because in there is the unknown. It's, the, it are the, it's, you know, the things that scare us, you know, the things that go bump in the night, as they say. Darkness. Deep shadow, fearful of the unknown. And literally, what could be darker than death itself, right? I mean, if you think of the metaphor of death, it's, it's the, the, the great unknown, if you will, uh, from the perspective of many. We're afraid of the dark because of what it may contain. We're afraid of the dark because of what comes after. Or we're afraid of death because, again, we, we 
don't know for certain what comes after death if you're looking at life from a vantage point of one of sight and not of faith. Uh, the men and I have been going through uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, and in the book of Ecclesiastes, the preacher often talks about life under the sun. Life which is taken from a perspective that does not have God in the picture. And when the preacher talks about death, he talks about no one knows what lies after death. Why? Because you are looking at it from a perspective of life under the sun, life apart from God. And apart from God, what do you know about death? It is the great unknown. It is the place of deepest darkness. The valley of the shadow of death represents all the things that we fear. It represents all the things that we dread. It represents all the things that we avoid. All the pain. All the suffering. All the fear. All the uncertainty that life brings is represented by this valley of the shadow of death or the valley of deep darkness. And it's interesting, though we often seek to avoid the valley of darkness, right? I mean... Put it this way, right? You, you know, if you saw two paths in the, in a forest that, that diverge, and one leads to darkness and, and gloominess, and, and one leads to bright light, and you can see the light in the distance, which one would you go for? <laughs> right? You know, it's like, well, I'd go down to the dark path. No, you wouldn't. You'd go to the light path, right? Because you, you, you could see the light, right? Uh, unless that light, of course, is an oncoming train. Don't go there, but... Um, <laughs> No, we all want to avoid the valley of deep darkness. We all want to avoid the pain, the suffering that life brings, the uncertainty. It would be great if dark valleys in our lives had a big warning sign that says, Warning! Valley of the shadow of death! Do not enter! Unfortunately, they don't. And notice too here, though we actively seek to avoid the dark valleys, they are certain. Look how, again, verse 4 begins. Yea, though I walk. Now, maybe you don't catch it there, but if you have an ESV or an NIV or an NASB, it says, even though I walk. Or in other translations say, even when I walk. Though we actively seek to avoid the dark valleys, they happen. They come. Sometimes dark valleys of our own making Sometimes we find ourselves in dark valleys because we actively go there, because of the bad choices we make. We do reap what we sow, but the valleys cannot be avoided. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, they cannot be avoided. Dark valleys are the result of living in a fallen world filled with fallen people. If you consider, you know, we talked about Job at the beginning just briefly, but if you consider Job's life, here is a man who went through some dark valleys. Now, interestingly enough, when everything first happened to him in Job chapter 2, verse 10, his wife uh, comes to him and starts to say, it's like, why are you still here? Why do you hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Just get, get it over with. 
Curse God and die. You've lost everything. Just get it over with. Put yourself out of your misery, Job. And Job, in chapter 2, verse 10, says, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God and shall we not accept adversity? Job, at least early on, and his theology pretty much holds throughout the book of Job, but early on he recognized that everything comes from the hand of the Lord. The good and the bad. The blessing and the dark valleys. They all come from the hand of the Lord. And he's like, shall we accept the good from the hand of God and not also the dark valleys? And of course, then the author says, in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. But all it takes is seven days of sitting in your own boils and sores on an ash heap, scraping your sores with potsherds. And in chapter 3 of Job, it says, after this, after the seven days, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. May the day perish on which I was born, and the night in which it was said, a male child is conceived. May that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor the light shine upon it. May darkness and the shadow of death, same word from Psalm 23, may the shadow of death claim it. May a cloud settle on it. May the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, may darkness seize it. May it not rejoice among the days of the year. May it not come into the number of the months. Oh, may that night be barren. May no joyful shout come into it. Job was going through a dark valley, and he curses the day of his birth. And it's like, would it be as if I were never born? Would that day just be blotted out of existence? It is dark dark. David himself, the author, went through dark valleys. Do you think David's life was a life of ease? No, he was just looking one psalm over, Psalm 22. The very psalmist here who says, the Lord is my shepherd, in Psalm 22 says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear in the night season, and I'm not silent. Verse 6, But I am a worm and am no man, a reproach of men, despised by people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out of the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in death. You think David had a dark valley? Yeah, David had a dark valley. This is, in fact, these are the words that Jesus himself calls to mind when he is on the cross. He quotes these words from David himself and uses them for himself. Jesus went through the dark valleys. The Christian life is a life of walking through valleys. It's a life of walking through valleys. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, do not be surprised when the fiery trials come upon you. Do not be surprised when the fiery trials come upon you. The valley is a reality, and we have to keep this in mind. Dark valleys cannot be avoided. They are the result of living in a fallen world. All the things of suffering in this life 
are there because of the dark valleys. They're there because of the fall. We live in a fallen world. Now, the dark valleys need to be seen in the context of the shepherds leading. Right? We saw the shepherd leading in verses 1 through 3. Right? He leads me beside the still waters. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And then verse 4, Yea, though I have walked through the valley of the shadow of death. The dark valleys need to be seen in the context of the shepherd leading. We don't wander into the dark valleys. The shepherd leads us in these dark valleys. Sometimes the paths of righteousness need to go through the valley of the shadow of death. The shepherd leads us through these dark valleys. Yet, even though we must go through the dark valleys, we can fear no evil This is the second of the three great confessions in Psalm 23. The first confession we saw last week. Because the Lord is my shepherd, my confession of faith is, I shall not want. Next week, Lord willing, because the Lord is my host, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This week, because my companion is with me, My confession of faith is, I will fear no evil. I can walk in the darkest valleys because my shepherd is with me. My companion is with me. Four words in the English, you are with me. In the Hebrew, ki atah imadi, you are with me. The Lord of the covenant who says, I will be your God and you will be my people is with us in the valleys of deep darkness. And this is why the Christian then can rejoice in trials. When James says, count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds, why can you count it all joy? Because he is with you. When Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are you when, you, when people persecute you, when people revile you and, and say all sorts of rotten things about you, why can you feel blessed? Because you are with me. Christians can mourn with hope, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4. I do not wish you to mourn as those who have no hope. Why? Because you are with me. You are with me. The Apostle Paul can rejoice in a Roman prison because it is the Lord who gives him strength. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Why? Because you are with me. You are with me. King David can fear no evil, even though he feels in Psalm 22 as if the Lord has forsaken him. He can fear no evil. Because the Lord, his shepherd, is with him. Turn over a couple of psalms to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Here, David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? If I go through the valley of the shadow of deep darkness, why should I fear? Because the Lord is my light. What shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. They were the ones in deep darkness, and they fell. Though an army may camp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The Lord is my light in the deep darkness. Whom shall I fear? If the Lord is on my side, what can I possibly fear? Of what can I possibly be afraid of? He is my light and my salvation. Later on in Psalm 138, another Psalm of David. Psalm 138, the last two verses of that psalm. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. But just look at verse 7 again. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, it's not the deep darkness, but it's the same thing. You will revive me. You will stretch out your hand. If I start to wander, you're going to grab me against the wrath of my enemies. Your right hand will save me. When my enemies are around me, all attacking me, your right hand, O Lord, will save me. Commentators like to call Psalm 23 a psalm of trust, a psalm of confidence. And verse 4 is the reason why. Verse 4, literarily, is the center of this psalm. So if you have, oftentimes in the psalms, in, in Hebrew poetry, it is the center point that is the most important. Everything climbs up to it. And then when you hit the center point, you get the truth. And then everything that flows after it is just a result of that. But here, the center point of this psalm is verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Those words are the center point of this psalm. The world does not have this promise of hope. The world does not have this joy. And why is that? Because the Lord is not with them. The Lord is not their shepherd. The Lord, they are not of his sheep. Right? Jesus, again, John chapter 10, my sheep know me. They hear my voice. I call them and they follow me. The world cannot say this. The wicked cannot say this. The unbeliever cannot say that the Lord is his shepherd. The wicked, the unbeliever cannot say, I will fear no evil. Which is a great call then to run to the shepherd who will be with you through the dark valleys. To run to the Lord who can be your shepherd by grace through faith in Christ alone. 
you recall in the upper room discourse in John 14, where the disciples were troubled. Many times Jesus said, I have to go. I have to leave. I have to go. And they're like, why? Why do you have to leave? Why? And Jesus says to them in John chapter 14, I, I do not be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be worried. For if I go, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I go, I will come and bring you to myself. We read from John chapter 14 earlier this morning. And in there, Jesus says to his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you without a parent. I will not leave you without a a, a caretaker. Jesus is our companion through the dark valleys. And notice he is not in front of us. He's not behind us. He is right beside us. He's with us. Right there. How many of you know the uh, Footprints poem? The Footprints poem. Everybody, if you don't know it, you might know it if I tell you this. We've got it hanging up in our bath. I used to think that this poem was, oh, that's kind of schmaltzy. Right, you know, sentimental. Then you read it, you know, as you get older, you read it, you start to think it in, in, in consideration of things like this, right? If you don't know the poem, it essentially goes like this. It's a man who dreams and he sees his life is sort of depicted as footprints on a beach. And he sees two sets of footprints. And he's like, oh, well, the Lord is walking with me. That's why I see the footprints. It's my, my footprints and the Lord's footprints. And it's like, what a great thing. But then he saw there are various points along the path where there was only one set of footprints. And he noticed that those always coincided with the dark valleys of his life, where things were the darkest. He's like, Lord, you were with me all this time, but it seemed like you were never there when those dark times happened or when this bad thing happened. You were not there. And that's when Jesus says, those are the times I carried you. Those were the times I carried you. When you could not walk yourself, I was with you. And I carried you through the dark valleys. He was right beside you. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 and 2. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you. By your name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, you have to understand in the Hebrew mind, waters were troubles, it was chaos, it was evil. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Why can we fear no evil? For the Lord is with us. Finally, let's look at verses, or sorry, the end of verse 4, the rod and the staff. Because our companion is with us, because we're protected 
We're protected because he is with us. We're protected also because of what the companion holds with him here. His rod, which is like a club, and his staff, which is uh, the thing he uses to guide the sheep. The rod is the shepherd's tool of defense against the enemies and the predators that come and try to steal his sheep. I looked at it a little bit last week, but in 1 Samuel, it's interesting, again, in 1 Samuel 17, when uh, David is, is anointed as king in chapter 16, but Israel is being taunted by the Philistines. And uh, they're like, who's going to fight for us? And Goliath is out there, and he's taunting them. He's like, send me a warrior. Send me your best man. I will fight mano y mano, and we will, you know, why waste the armies? I'll take your best warrior. And no one, even the great king Saul, no one wanted to go up against Goliath. And then David happens to be there. David's coming there to deliver lunch, right? His dad says, why don't you take some lunch to, to your brothers who are out there on the front lines? like, okay. So he goes out there, and he hears Goliath shouting, you know, send me your best warrior. And David's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who is, who is talking about the Lord? And he's like, I'll go fight him. And, and Saul's looking, and he's like, you, look at you. You're like five foot nothing, and you're, you know, you've got nothing on you. And David's like, look, you know, Saul says to David, verse 33, 1 Samuel 17, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of his flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from, lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go. Go. The Lord be with you. <laughs> right? It's kind of weird. All right, well, go ahead. You know, <laughs> blessings on your journeys there, David. But uh, David knew that the Lord was with him. And he talks about how, he, as a shepherd, he would defend his father's sheep with club. He would club the lions and the bears and everything. And that's the imagery we have here. The rod is the shepherd's tool of defense. Now, our enemies are not lions or bears. They are the world, the flesh, and the devil. And Jesus, our great companion, he helps us to overcome the world. John 16, 33, right? Do not fear. Do not lose, lose hope. Though in this world you may have tribulation, take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus helps to put to death the flesh because he has condemned sin in the flesh, Romans 8. He helps us to defeat the devil, Ephesians 6. He helps us to stand firm in the power of his might so that we can defeat the wiles of the devil. He does so with his rod. He is our great defender. The staff is the shepherd's tool of correction. It is used to keep the sheep from wandering through the, from the right paths into the dark ravines, right? You know, he leads us on the paths of righteousness. How? Oftentimes by his staff. 
oftentimes by his staff. And Jesus, our great companion, corrects us by his word. Your word, O Lord, I have hidden my heart that I may not sin against you. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. He corrects us by his spirit who comes and sanctifies us and convicts us of sin. And he corrects us by godly discipline. We can fear no evil because our great companion guards us from troubles within and troubles without. And this brings us comfort. This brings us comfort. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That word comfort is the word that is used. Uh, It's a derivative of the name Noah, which means rest. And when uh, Noah's father gives birth to his son, he says, Ah, finally we will receive rest or comfort from the Lord. It is the word that Joseph speaks to his brothers after he comforts them. He says, look, you meant it for evil, but the Lord meant it for good. And then it says he comforted his brothers. It is what Ruth says to Boaz when Boaz welcomes her into his home. He says, you have, she says to him, you have provided me Comfort, it's what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort ye my people. The companion's presence and protection is more than sufficient to calm our fears and comfort us even in the darkest valleys of life. Why? Because he is with us. He is with us. And Jesus, of course, is our great companion. Jesus protects us and guides us through all of life's dark valleys. And this gives us great comfort. We can fear no evil because Jesus is with us. Now the temptation we often face in this life is that when we're in the dark valleys, we tend to forget Jesus is there, right? We lose faith and we begin to fear. We fear the dark valleys of life. Why? Because as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, you cannot walk by sight. Right? In in a dark valley, what good is sight anyway? (laughs) Right? If you can't see in the dark, what good is your sight? You need, you must walk by faith. You must walk by faith that our companion is with us. That he is with you in your dark valleys. But of course, the great companion does not lead us through paths that he himself has not walked himself. We could fear no evil because Jesus went through the valley of the shadow of death and he came out on the other side. He was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. He was tempted. He was, he was weak. He was hungry. And that's when Satan attacked. And then later on in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was again bereft and, 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 and filled with worry and doubt as, as the satanic attack comes on him and he prays to the Lord, take this cup away from me if it be your will, O Lord. He saw the cross, he knew it was coming, yet he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He went through the valley of the shadow of death on Calvary when he hung on that cross. Everything Jesus' life was about was leading to that point in time where he would die on the cross. He went through the darkest valleys of life so that he can be there with us when we go through those valleys as well. 
because Jesus has gone through these valleys of deep darkness, because he has conquered sin, because he has conquered death, because he has conquered Satan, we can fear no evil. Our great companion is with us, and he protects us. Let us fix our eyes on that. I will close with these words. I've read them before, but Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. There, the author of Hebrews says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author or originator and finisher or perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross. He despised the shame. And he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Set your eyes on Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a comfort it is to know that you go with us through the dark valleys of life. What a comfort it is to know that you yourself went through those dark valleys so that we can fear no evil. And Lord, let us never lose sight of the fact that you are there with us in the dark valleys of life, carrying us if need be, so that we can fear no evil, that we can take comfort in the protection that you provide. Lord, if there's any within the sound of my voice who do not know this comfort, may you impress this upon them. May you, by your Spirit, grant them eyes to see that Jesus is our great shepherd, that he is our great companion, and that he will guide us through the dark valleys of life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.